opportunity to study your word and um, hear what you have to say to us and, and reveal to us tonight. Lord God, I thank you for every person present, those yet to come. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, we know that you're going to visit us. This is going to be a time of divine visitation because of the attacks on our technology this evening. And uh, we know that you are with us. And we praise you, Lord God. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. We look forward to what it is you have for us tonight, Lord God, as we study and come together on one accord out of your word this evening. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, that you continue to fill us and fill us and continue to flow tonight. And thank you for revelation, revelation knowledge of your word. Much of this information we've heard in the past, but bring it to us in a new way, a new way that we can taste. We can taste and see that you're, that you are real, that you are good, Lord. Hallelujah. So excited for everybody to be here. We're going to talk about the glory. We've been talking about, last month we talked about the anointing. Um, and now we're going to speak on the glory tonight. And um, just as an introduction, just real brief, I wanted to bring us, some of us to, up to speed as it pertains to the glory and what we talked about, because uh, some may not have been with us last month. You may recall that our goal over this, these couple of uh, sessions was to talk about the anointing, the glory, and the presence of God, all three of those, because they're all three distinct things, if we want to call them a thing. I mean, how can you even give the presence of God a name? Um, in the anointing, we talked about it being something that's manifested. It's God's presence, his manifestation. He manifests himself unto us because he wants to know us. We have a God almighty that wants to know wants us to know him. Interesting because he knows us already. He's the one that created us. Okay, thank you. Man, so we want to make sure everybody's muted because we are taping. Mute your uh, devices. We just did the song Glory to the Lamb by Godfrey Golden. The anointing is a substance just like faith is, it's something that you uh, you cannot see. So it's a substance, but it's invisible because it exists in the invisible realm. It is tangible. The presence of God is tangible. The anointing is tangible. It can be released and transferred to another. So if you've had hands laid on you, of course, not suddenly, but if you've had hands laid on you, you've probably felt that tangible presence of something entered you. Something like nothing. I mean, it's it's kind of like a liquid flow that's very warm, but it is tangible. You can you can 
receive it, you can feel it. The only thing with the anointing, you really can't see it. And the biggest difference between the anointing and the glory is you can see the glory. That's the biggest difference. The anointing is God's manifested presence, which we've already said. It is also, I wanted to talk just a little bit about the manifestation. Something that's manifested is a sign. It embodies something that doesn't exist. So it's a visible form or an expression of something that exists, but you don't see it. So it's in the invisible realm. So it's something that you can see, but you can't really go over and pick it up like you can an apple or a glass of water. There are different, we talked about there being different types of anointings, different measures, different levels. So we can go from, because there's so many different dimensions in God, you can be um, anointed to prophesy, but there's different dimensions in the prophetic where you can go into different areas and prophesy. You've got to kind of want that, though, too. You've got to want to, um, got to admit a couple more people here. You've got to want to uh, go into a new, newer realms and new areas and new depths in God. It's something that's not going to just come to you. That's one thing about the anointing and the glory. God responds to our hunger. We have to hunger and thirst for more of him. And he'll reveal more of you, him, I'm sorry, more of him to you. Um, just, you know, just recently I had that happen to me and I, I, I was crying out for it and he showed up. But I don't know if I was quite ready for him in the way he came to me. And I was kind of, I was really spooked by what the experience that I had. And, but I, what, I, what I knew to do, to do because it was supernatural is the first thing that I did, as I said, if you are not of God, then you've got to be. But it wasn't a demonic force. <laughs> it wasn't. Please mute your devices, please. I think I can mute all up here, but I just, when I get to talking, it's real hard to man this kind of stuff. So I think the reason why I like to really do these, I like to do the in-person stuff. Anyway, um, Please mute your device. Devices. Thank you so much. And I'm going to see if I can figure out how to mute everybody real quick. It might be a way I can just click on one little thing. Um, and I, I don't see it. I mean, if it's here, it might be because my I'm on screen share. And I can't. I actually don't see that. So please mute your devices for me since I'm not able to do it on my end. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So back to this entity that was in my room. Um, I figured out it wasn't an angel because I've seen an angel. I've had an angel manifest himself to me. I've actually had conversation with and so on, et cetera, et cetera. But this, this was more like a, I, I come to figure out and I'm still waiting on the Lord will continue to pull you and draw you until he explains to you what happened. But you got to keep on wanting and asking. But what I, I've come to believe it was a portal, an opening into the uh, into a, the other dimension, right? We call it the third dimension, the sixth dimension. I don't, it doesn't really matter. It's, it was the invisible realm that opened up unto me, and I just was not quite 
ready to know what that was. I wanted it to be something very easy <laughs> and something that I didn't have to try to figure out what it was. Um, there, it didn't talk to me. I didn't. I, I don't know if it was something that was alive or not, but it was so real that it was beyond being alive. It wasn't really an it. It wasn't a person. It really wasn't a spirit. It was just this opening. And I said, okay, that's a portal. So now I'm on this long, extensive study about portals, which we will we'll get into that eventually here um, in some of the sessions. So um, I don't know if I did a bunny trail. I'm trying to get back here on my screen. The anointing is something that can be felt, which we've already talked about that, because it can be transferred. And if they, you feel that liquid love go through you and the heat that sometimes goes through you or even the electricity, that is the anointing. And again, the anointing is evidence that God is present and proof he exists and that he is real. The power that is released that you receive is what you're feeling. You're feeling the power from the anointing. Number seven here is what you feel is the power. So read Acts 1 and 8. It talks about the power coming upon us and, and the heat that we receive. Next screen. Some respond to the anointing different. I did want to mention that. Sometimes anointing might make you shake. It may make you run, get up and run around a room. It might hit you and you just fall out. You're slain kind of under, under the anointing. So it's individual how you may respond. It may depend on the type of anointing that's present, whether it's a healing anointing or um, just holy, holy laughter can come up on you. That is an anointing as well where you're receiving deliverance. So it can respond. You can respond very differently depending on the type of anointing and also depending on yourself because it's an individual experience. And it's the same thing with the glory. When the glory comes, there's a different type of experience. The glory is more, it's more of a heavy or a very thick presence. Sometimes people, that's why they say, oh, it's a cloud or it's smoke. Because sometimes it just looks that way. But it's, it's actually the glory of God. So if you've been in some meetings, you may have, have seen or missed or cloud. But what I was going to say is that be real careful about being in meetings where they have these these machines that look like smoke machines, you know, um, that's kind of fake stuff. That's not really, you really can't, if, if God was to enter, I mean, that would be taken over. And I don't think that's a good idea to do, but I know there's some, um, some people or some ministries that do that. We're going to compare the difference between the anointing and the glory as we move further along uh, in the presentation. But just a brief opening here about what the anointing is. I mean, I'm sorry, the glory. So now we're going to start. We left the anointing because we wanted to just review it from last month. Let's talk a little bit about the glory. I have to keep looking to make sure nobody's trying to enter the meeting too. Okay. God's glory is above and beyond any type of description or definition. It's really difficult to define what it is. You can experience and still not have any clue how to describe it or explain it. Because the many facets and dimensions of God is, is how the glory is. So it's just this one term that has such in-depth meaning for us. God, our God is glorious. So he is glory. 
Our Bible declares that he is, but we cannot accurately or fully describe in words the glory. The glory of God is not even defined in, in the word of God. Have, did you notice that? It's not even defined there in, in, in the Bible. God's glory is so grand, so magnificent, that it splashes across every page of the Bible as you read it. As you read the Bible, it just draws you more and more in. That's God. That's God drawing you in. That's his presence drawing you in. That's his glory. God's glory encamp encompasses the greatness, the beauty, and perfection of all that he is. In everything that he is and in everything that he does, God is greater than any human description. Every attribute and action of God is stunningly beautiful in every way. Each characteristic of God and every accomplishment from his hand, I mean, you can just look at the earth and the, very, the beautiful places and things that God has created. Um, and heaven is supposed to be a hundred times even more beautiful than even earth is because earth is just a resemblance of heaven. Each characteristic is so perfect in every way so perfectly in the way that he made everything. It's just mind-boggling. This is what it means when you start talking about the glory, because really you're talking about God himself. The stunning reality of this universe is that there exists one, one who is the greatest, the most beautiful, and the most perfect in every way, God, who is gloriously great, gloriously beautiful, and he's gloriously perfect. Wow, there is none like him. He has no rivals and no valid comparisons. I mean, what, do you, what can you compare him with? He is the great in every category, in, in every way. It is beyond our estimate opinion of him and how to describe him. Every part of God is glorious in every possible way. And because God is glorious in every possible way, he alone stands in this vast universe as the only one who is worthy of the worship, surrender, and love of every human heart. This teaching is only a drop. Do you hear me? Just a drop. A drop in the bucket of what the glory is. But it's what God has had me prepare for you. And it's, it's been all month long. A little here, a little there. A shaking here, a shaking here, a <laughs> shaking there. I say, I say that because angels come in my room and they shake my bed. <laughs> and if I don't do what they want me to do, which I don't know if they want to talk to me or what, I'll, uh, they'll say my name in my ear and call me out. This is what we're entering into right now. Is this type of encounter, these type of experiences, this type of manifestation of God's glory and his presence, coming and invading us he is coming he wants to be here and it has and it has a whole lot to do with this last 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 move of his spirit you know what was prophesied in in joel you know in acts when peter talked he quoted joel about all flesh spirit being the spirit being poured out on all flesh that means even sinners He's going to be pouring out his spirit. That's because he's given everybody an opportunity to be saved. He loved his creation. He loves creation. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Okay, so let's talk about the glory of God. It's something that can be perceived and it can be uh, seen with your eyes. When we say perceive, we talk about perception. And that is seen. Remember in the, um, we talked somewhat uh, last month on boot camp, we, we did an introduction to the seer anointing, but we laid foundation. So May is going to be talking more about the seer. And, and, and so we'll be talking more about perception and how that gift really works. You can see the glory. You can smell it. You can even taste the glory. And I'm sure many of you have, have tasted the glory. That's why that one scripture talks about come and taste and see how good the glory is. Because he does, there is a, there is a fragrance and there also is a sweetness and a taste to your taste buds. And this is, this is all spiritual, remember? But you, you, it's so real, and it seems like it's real. It's, that, it's in the natural. But it's your spirit man is that is experiencing these things. It's not your natural man. Most often, um, you will see um, a cloud. We talked about already a little bit about the cloud and the smoke, uh, the fire and the mist. I've had opportunity because I've just been one of his favorites, I guess, to experience all of these. I'll talk later about a revival where, you know, the cloud came in and the cloud hoovered over the building and I watched the cloud <laughs> and the cloud followed me home and, and on and on and on. I've seen the mist. I've seen the mist, especially I was supporting another minister at a, a conference we went to and we were just really pouring out and praying for these people who were so hungry for God. So God showed up for them and the mist would come in. And then we would have portals in certain parts of, um, of the sanctuary where we stood and were ministering. I told her, okay, you need to stand over here because there's a port the portals right here. So we could see God's presence coming down on, on individuals. Angels were present in the meeting. Um, so whenever you have God's glory coming in heavily, you're going to have angelic uh, visitation. And then uh, there was one time when I saw the fire, which scared the heck out of me. Um, but when that fire came, I just kind of, I said to the fire, I, I, I really pulled back as I always do. I'm a little scared of things, fearful um, of supernatural things, but I just really love the supernatural because it's still a part of who I am. But when that fire came, I just looked at it and said, okay, God. If this is a rapture, then I'm ready. I yielded to the fire. <laughs> that was the craziest, uh, you know, response to, to a ball of fire, you know, right in the middle of your face like it was going to consume you. But I yielded to it. I went in. And I went in, and I was in, all I know is I looked up, and I was in heaven. And I was around. Uh, I was sitting there with all these little children and kids running around playing, having a good time and calling my name and talking to me and encouraging me. It was really sweet. It was an awesome visitation. Um, next, the glory is the realm of the of eternity. It's the unseen realm, but it's also what we call eternity, where life and um, everything will exist forever. There's no end to where God is and where this realm is, his glory. Kenneth Hagin described the cloud, the, the glory as a cloud. It said he would teach about the glory because the Lord told him to look up every scripture. This was before we had computers. He had to do everything in the concordance. 
he had the Strong's and he looked up everything manually. He looked up every single scripture on the glory, over a hundred. And he would just start to read them. When the Lord came up on him, he was supposed to preach something at a, a conference or a meeting. He'd start reading the scriptures. And all of a sudden, like Billy Brim would describe it, everybody would say, okay, here comes the glory. And it would roll in from the back room and people would look up and they would see the glory. And people would start to respond. They would start to fall down when the glory would roll in. So that's why he called it not only a cloud, he called it a wave. He described it as something that was glistening, shiny, sparkling light, like the sun shining on the snow. You seen that picture of the snow and you can see the sun when he hits it? It's, I don't know, it's kind of really, really, really sparkly. I always describe it when I try to describe things I've seen in heaven like that as iridescence. Um, kind of like when, you know, when you have a, a, a bubble, um, but, you know, when you're blowing bubbles and the bubble is a round bubble and they look at it and it's got all these different colors to it, different arrays to it. It's a little different than um, like a rainbow because as you can actually see through it. That's what I saw. I saw that one one time when the Lord took me up and um, I saw these beings and they were just all they were glorified in their glorified bodies. But glorified body, that term, you know, we really reserve that because that's supposed to be us. When, and Jesus is supposed to be the only one that has a glorified body right now. So what I was seeing, maybe it was angels and not necessarily glorified bodies. So when I, and I also saw once when an angel put their hand in my face, I always, always called this one, it was the call. He called me out. This was very, very, very early in my walk, like in the uh, uh, early 90s. And this hand, if I could describe the hand, I also say iridescence, but it also looked more milky white and it was glowing. It had a glow to it. And so this, you know, the glory is really a real substance, but it's also as if it's um, so tangible that it, this is what this, this angel was made of. He was made, he was basically made of glory. So the glory, just like the anointing and just like faith, is something that has to be revealed to you supernaturally to your spirit. So you that's why people say, well, the glory is something that you don't really experience it, but the glory is something that is known, kind of like with faith. way of teaching and explaining what the glory is uh, and and I'm just sharing what it is that God has revealed to me, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me about the glory it is known, it is seen and it is experienced all by faith God will remove the veil from your eyes that you can see that you can see it and experience it but it's only based on your faith level the glory uh, rim, as the screen says here, is the rim of the eternity. I don't know if anybody knows of Ruth Heflin, H-E-F-L-I-N. 
she was kind of like back in the days with uh, Catherine Kuhlman and some of them. I guess it hasn't been that long ago. She wrote a series of books, six, seven books on the glory. She says, she describes it as air is the atmosphere of the earth. Glory is the atmosphere of heaven. So I thought that was a, a, a good way to um, kind of conceptualize it in your mind. Glory and even heaven. A Greek meaning for glory is doxa. Doxa means to honor and praise. Glory is brilliant and it is radiantly beautiful. The Hebrew meaning of the um, presence of the presence of or glory is called Shekinah. So it's like the glory that's manifested, and they say presence. I may not have that word or two clear on the screen. The Shekinah glory is a Hebrew name given to the presence of God dwelling on the earth. It means he caused to dwell. He caused to dwell. It is the visible presence of God. And we already talked about the various forms that he can come, come in. Then you have the kabod, or kebab, also kabod is another way they pronounce it. It's the weighty glory of God. It's in Strong's 3519b, describes it as abundance, honor, glory, and it's literally translated heavy weight. So whenever you hear someone talk about kabod, or kavod, they talk about the weight of the glory. I don't know if any of you have experienced it. I'm sure some of you may have, and if you haven't, you will. It's going to be more and more prevalent, um, you know, experience that we will have. I have, and I do when I have, I have when I'm in praise and worship. My hands get very, very, very heavy. Not only electricity, but the heaviness of the glory is, is on my hands and it feels like I'm trying to hold something up but it's really light as a feather I can move it as like I can still swing my arms so it's a very very heaviness it's the grandest thing about someone that's the definition the glory is God himself in the presence of the glory the flesh cannot stand up this is when we see people slay in the spirit it's usually the glory that's manifesting right along with the anointing that's present. But as you, you know, as you know, there's two different sources. With the anointing, the Holy Spirit releases the anointing. The glory is God and Jesus himself. But remember, we were talking about a triune being, three-part person, God, when we're made in his image. And we separate these three things, the anointing, his presence, and the glory to try to learn more about him and experience him more. The flesh falls and the spirit stands up. So the flesh can't stand. It's just lay there on the floor. It can't move. But if you can look in the spirit, the person's spirit is standing up. It's standing up, praising God, raising its hands. You just can't see it. I was told once that, you know, when we raise our hands in honor of God and we're praising him with our hands up, spiritually our hearts are bowing to him. Our heads are bowing, in other words. Our spirit man is in a bowing type honoring position. Revelations 
in the Passion Translation reads, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and for your pleasure they were created and exist. We must build a habitation for his presence. The glory of God is in us. We receive a measure of the glory of God when we're created, which is we're receiving a part of Jesus. Everyone says, okay, receive Jesus in your heart. You're receiving a part of what you are made of. You too have glory. Man's flesh cannot handle the glory of God. The glory of God changes the man on the, from the inside out, inside our spirits out. So we are admonished in the Bible to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. We are glory carriers. Do you want to be a glory, glory carrier? The glory should be resting upon you. People should come up to you and say, oh, there's something different about you. Or I actually see the glory on you. And then, of course, sometimes people say, well, there's kind of like an, an aura about you. There's something different when I'm sensing this when I'm around you. And if it's strong enough, that glory on you can cause demons to flee, and the people to be set free, be convicted by the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that's the King James Version of that scripture. So what does it mean to glorify God? Briefly, we'll talk of a few phrases here. To extol or praise enthusiastically, to exalt, hold someone or something in high esteem, extremely high regard. To honor, high respect, great esteem. That's giving honor. Praise, express warm approval or admiration. Worship, the feeling of expression, feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Worship is where we also, um, you know, feel that we get the fear of the Lord because we, we fear his reverence because he is so holy. And we don't know what can happen when we stand in front of a holy God. And then bless, blessing is to confer or invoke divine favor upon or holiness. It also means holiness. Adore. Love and respect someone deeply. Venerate. Venerate means to regard with great respect, to revere. Esteemed, honored, hallowed, holy, and sacred. All of these words mean to give God glory. Amen and hallelujah. Let us lift our hands out up right now. Let's lift up our hands and evoke his presence. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We worship you. We worship you, Lord God, our creator. Hallelujah, our savior. Thank you for meeting every need, oh God. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. 
We thank you for salvation. We take nothing for granted, Lord, and we worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Worship him. Adore him. He alone is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Does anybody see anything on this screen that looks different or unusual? I know you guys are muted. Um, I see a face. So I see Jesus. I don't know if anyone else does. Jesus and the glory. We're going to look real quickly at Luke. Uh, I don't want to read the entire scripture because it's long. Luke 24. Please mark them down. Verses 13 to 32. Maybe we'll do one out of a, have a, the next three slides reference a few scriptures to describe God's glory and how it was manifested to certain individuals. This first one is Jesus. He walks to Imamus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it's a place in Jerusalem. Later that, verse 13, later that same day, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emesis, a journey of about 17 miles. And this is uh, the Passion Translation, so it'll read differently than your King James Version. Verse 14, 15. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was actually Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, you seem to be in deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped and one named Cleop, Cleopas answered, Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, What things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We had all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly as the women had said, but no one has seen him. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and afterward to enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scriptures. 
verse 28. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. They urged him to remain there with them and pleaded, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village, joining them at the table for supper. He took bread and blessed it and broke it, then gave it to them. All at once, their eyes were opened and they realized he was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from them right before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. So now, what do we see here as they describe the presence of Jesus in verse 32? You know, they describe it as saying, they said, their hearts or their spirits burned with flames of holy passion. So this is another manifestation of Jesus, of the glory that he had on him that they felt and experienced in their spirits. It was almost like what we call, you know, our spirit bearing witness with another spirit. Hallelujah. I remember when Jesus walked in a Sunday school class that I was in, I was teaching the youth and he just, he just walked in and I saw him walk in. I didn't really see his face, but I saw everything else. And I told the, I told the kids, I said, Jesus is here. And it was like, they continue to worship, but it was a different kind of worship. We, ch the atmosphere changed. It was electrified. I mean, so, 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 so holy. When we hear, we hear in the word, it talks about his train filling the temple. It kind of felt like that when it rolled in and came in so smoothly. And it was like, is it, whatever you asked for, he was going to do it. But nobody was really at that point wanting to ask for anything. They're just, we just really reverenced his presence for as long as he was able to stay with us. He probably stayed around maybe about a good five minutes, which seemed like an hour. <laughs> that he was with us. The next scripture on the screen is Hebrews 1, verse 3. And it says, The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our God, our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. When he himself and no other had by offering himself on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, accomplished purification from sins and established our freedom from guilt, he sat down revealing his completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high, revealing his divine authority. Then 2 Corinthians 3, verse uh, 17. I believe it's actually 3, verse 8. I may have a typo there. And we all 
with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Wow. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2. I had this picture here, because this is a picture I was able to um, purchase. I acquired it. I got it just recently, last month, when I went to a conference in Kearney. The, uh, a Glow International had put on a conference. And I just this picture was just calling me. And the title was, you know, The Glory of God. And I looked at it and I just, I, I don't know that there's, it's just awesome. I mean, you can just you get lost in, in this picture, but the scripture reference was Isaiah 61 and two arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Lord, our heavenly bridegroom, is willing to reveal his secrets to us through the spirit. This is the day of revelation. This is the time that he is revealing himself to us. This is the day of God's glory. This is the day when God wants to make himself known to us. This is when we're going to start to see all these creative miracles, these masses coming into Jesus, coming into the kingdom and being saved and being born again. All of our loved ones we've been praying for for years and years and years to be saved are going to come. They're going to be saved. They're going to be moved with compassion. And they're going to just really need us to be um uh, decide to help them to we have to disciple them so that they are successful and they can go out and disciple others this is that end time harvest that god is calling his 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 people to come onto the battlefield to help reap the harvest help the angels reap the harvest we're not alone the angels are there to help us reap the harvest amen I wanted to talk about um, this slide here. Kenneth Copeland described the glory as a spiritual tsunami. Tsunami. A tsunami is considered an impact event, something really huge. Um, it's described, it's not, this is not on the screen, it's described as a series of waves in a water body caused by the displacement of a large volume of water. It's the water's dis actually displaced. This is not like an underground, well, I guess it is like an underground earthquake. I don't know if you've heard, there's been these earthquakes that have been under underground um, and they're exploding. Just like we have right now, several earthquakes in uh, different places right now that are really, they're just erupting and causing much damage and displacing uh, land and people having to leave. It occurs in oceans uh, and underwater. 
unlike normal ocean waves, you know, you can see the nice waves on top of the ocean. These, those are generated, though I didn't realize that, but most of the waves that we see are generated by the wind. They're considered tides. Whereas these tsunamis are caused by uh, the pull of the moon and the sun. Is generated mainly with the water being displaced. So this screen is, is saying, well, they also call them tidal waves. That's why they're sometimes called call them tidal waves. The screen is saying that the, the impact and the energy that's released is like having um, a detonated, like a nuclear weapon being detonated. And so this picture, which I had found, you know, was a picture of a meteor that would go, would come down and hit hit the Earth or an asteroid, come down and hit the Earth, and it would cause much damage. But when the, this picture was re, I'll show it again on the next screen, next screen or two, you'll see that in the picture, it's almost like Jesus is there saying, this is not going to happen to, he's letting us know, this is, he is not going to allow this to happen to Earth, at least not while we're present on Earth. But if you can look at this screen here and kind of look back and look into that picture, I don't know. I see Jesus in the picture. I don't know if anybody else does. So this next um, area of discussion is going to be talking about creation. And I'm not going to stay on this too much longer because our time is get really kind of getting away. And I wanted to get further into talking about the glory and how we can release the glory in our lives. But, you know, at creation, God crowned man with his glory. And these scriptures you can put down, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, when he made man in his likeness. And in, he says, let us, meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. Not physical, but a spiritual resemblance. We're spiritually like God. And to let them have complete authority over the fish in the sea. So he made us to have dominion over this earth. And we know that there was the fall. And that, of course, cursed the ground. And, um, you know, with Jesus, they had to have another plan. Which I believe it was all in the plan to begin with. Because God is an omnipresent, omnipotent uh, God. A perfect God. He makes everything perfect. And so he had already planned out how he was going to have everything fall in place for him. God walked in the cool of the night, or cool of the day, sorry, in uh, the Garden of Eden. And of course, once man sinned, instead of being clothed with God's glory, God made them a garment from the animal which covered him. But when Jesus died on the cross, we received our covering back. We're covered with the, the, the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus, and God's glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Next, Moses. He also experienced God's glory. You know, he, he um, was face to face with God. Scripture, Exodus 33, verse 1 through 
verses 12 through 23, Exodus 34, verses 5 and 29, where God, where Moses evoked God. He kept saying, please, Lord, let me see your glory. He wanted to know God very well, and he did know God very well because he was face to face with God. He spoke to God face to face, and he led him. And he, he's an example for us that we too can have that same relationship with with uh, with our Lord and Savior. Okay, let's see. Trying to go down here a little quicker with the notes so we can go to the next slide. Supernatural uh, encounters of the glory. Ezekiel 1, verses 26 to 28. You can read a little bit of this one here. It says, For high in the sky above them was what looked like a throne made of beautiful blue sapphire stones, and up on it sat someone who appeared to be a man. From his waist up, he seemed to be all glowing bronze, dazzling like fire. And from his waist down, he seemed to be entirely in a flame. And there was a glowing halo, like a rainbow all around him. That was the way the glory of the Lord appeared to me. And when I saw it, I fell face downward on the ground and heard the voice of someone speaking to me. And then in the New Testament, Luke 9, verse 28 through 36. About eight days after saying this, he climbed a mountain to pray, taking Peter, John, and James along. While he was in prayer, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became blinding white. At once, two men were there talking with him. They turned out to be Moses and Elijah. And what a glorious appearance they were, they made. They talked over his exodus, the one Jesus was about to complete in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and those with him were slumped over in sleep. When they came to rubbing their eyes, they saw Jesus in his glory and the two men standing with him. When Moses and Elijah had left, Peter said to Jesus, Master, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking. While he was babbling on like this, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in this cloud, they became deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud. This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the sound of the voice died away, they saw Jesus there alone. They were speechless, and they continued speechless, said not one thing to anyone during those days of what they had seen. Wow. Well, that's pretty amazing. Hallelujah. So this next uh, slide talks a little bit about anointing and the glory. And it talks, I said we would kind of look at the difference between the two. God's glory is his attributes, love, mercy, grace, everything, everything good about him. Remember he told Moses, I'll let you can't see anything but 
maybe you can see, I'll let you see my, uh, my back parts as my goodness goes past you. So he's everything good. Okay. So the anointing is manifested presence. Invisible power, as we talked about already in Acts 1-8, comes and goes, comes upon you, and it can leave. So, you know, I always talk about being in meetings because that's when everything seems to manifest, <laughs> where you learned is in, in good meetings. Sometimes people come in and they can, the anointing's there and it's present, and someone gets on the mic or does something that's totally opposite of where God is going, and the anointing goes, it lifts. Everybody wonders, what happened to the anointing? I've heard people say that, well, they came in and they sucked up the anointing. <laughs> Not for sure what that, if that's a possibility. But if you grieve the Holy Spirit, or if we are doing things in the flesh, the anointing is going to lift. The anointing does come and go. There are different types of anointing. We already mentioned that. See, I'm gonna move this up. How did it get here? Sorry. Next point here. Different levels, different measures. Then the glory. Manifested presence, same thing, but it's visible. That's the difference between the anointing and the glory. The glory is visible, and the glory is always present. You receive a measure of glory. You have a measure of glory. You carry a measure of glory. It is always present. And it can increase in your life the more that, more that you are in one with God, with the Holy Spirit. The glory is God. There are several degrees of God's glory. Our spirits inside that's where we we reveal it's revealed to us I can remember when the anointing came upon me for service or for being there again God when you when you're called into called into a fivefold office you can have various supernatural experiences to happen to you uh, I talked about the one with the hand and going to heaven and actually saw my spirit there. But then there was, a, you know, the time that I had a nightly visit from Holy Spirit. I don't know if you say three nights, four nights, five nights. I don't even know. It was just so, uh, <laughs> it was overwhelming. But, he, you know, he, he would come at the same time. I don't know if it was around, it seemed like it was around for whatever reason, three, four o'clock in the morning. And um, just come and just draw me out of my bed. I get up and I would I would go in my little prayer closet area where I get away from um, my husband in the bedroom and waking anybody up or turning any lights on. And I would sit and this presence, this huge, heavy presence would just come and hoover on me and hug me. And it was just there for for a while. Uh, 30 minutes to an hour and I would just kind of pray and then sometimes just suck soak suck suck up the uh 
the presence and um you know, I didn't hear the Lord talking to me a lot, but I, he did speak to me quite a bit. And, but those are, you know, you can't, that, that isn't a, that's an anointing. That is a presence. That was actually Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the anointing, the anointing is Holy Spirit. Just at least that's my personal experience. I can only give you what I know and what the Lord has shown me and given me. And the glory is is God. It's, it's the actual tangible God. Although Holy Spirit is God too. So I can't figure it all out. <laughs> I'm just giving you some examples of, and as the Holy Spirit is leading me to share this um, this evening. The glory cannot be experienced or revealed to the soulish realm of man. So see the difference? The anointing can be revealed to the soulish realm realm of man because you feel him you that's where you experience actually the um when when i was having those encounters the love um the warmth uh, the acceptance you know that we as humans humans need but spiritually you know it's something that is a part that is a part of god that is a part of us he has emotions and feelings and those same attributes you know, I've had people explain or describe God as just being God. God is love. I think it's more to that, but, you know, that's another way that people describe God is that he is love. God is love. So the glory of God is something that is known. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we already talked about uh, being unveiled face and being transformed. So we're transformed day by day by day. Uh, I think it was clear we were talking about faith to faith, glory to glory. You know, you, you're, you're increased in, in what God has for you um, on a daily basis. We're the one in time, so time is daily for us, and, you know, and God is in eternity. But we can only handle so much because we are not, we're, we're still humans, you know, in, in a human body. The glory is a weightiness fire. It's a fire. You can, you can see it. You can see the presence. We didn't talk. We didn't talk a lot about the scriptures in Exodus about Moses and the fire. You know him going up in the mountain or his face shining. When he when he came down, he had to have a veil over his face. But those are all manifestations of God's glory. Um, Madonado. He. I remember I was doing another teaching. I told you all. He called it God's. He called it liquid love. When when they would have these explosions in their services. And um, God's presence and glory was so heavy and so thick. He called it liquid love, liquid love, liquid love. He would call it liquid love. So that, you know, it's amazing. And Billy Bram, she describes the glory as, as heavy, with everything good. <laughs> so she says, the glory is heavy with everything good. I mean, that's, you know, a real short description. And it is the anointing electrified. So if you look at the anointing on one hand and you look over here at the glory on the other hand, put them together, it's, it's the anointing, but it's, it's now electrified anointing. So another way to try to explain it. If you read Exodus 33, you can uh, see more of uh, it talking about the glory in Moses. In the glory realm, all you can do is stand in awe and cry. 
You cannot talk. You cannot sing. You cannot move. It is so, 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 so holy. And you're entered, you're entered into that. It's like a zone by faith. And everybody around you, especially if you're in a service or a setting like that, is it's not there. They may not be where you are. They may not be experiencing what you're experiencing. It's an individual experience and manifestation. The glory of God's presence. So we, we enter in his presence by silent prayer. Silent prayer is just being, he wants to just be with us. You know, we, we, we have our time of devotion, our quiet time, our time that we, you know, we, we go pray. You know, some people can be in prayer for three, four, five, six hours. The Lord has not called me to anything like that. I haven't done anything like that. In the glory, you lose track of time. You don't know how long you were there. Like those experiences I, I was in, I had, no clue, I had no clue how long they may have lasted. Or my visitations to heaven, I have no clue on how long I was gone. Some people can tell you what time the, what the clock said when they left and what the clock said when they came back. That's something I've not had the experience uh, at all. So we enter, we enter the presence, God's presence. And see, we were talking about the anointing, the presence and the anointing through prayer. And prayer is basically communication with God, spending time with God. Holy silence invades and it steals your soul. It can be uncomfortable if you've never done it before. But it's, it's just this quietness where you're sitting in the presence. You're sitting in his presence on purpose. And it invades your soul where it quiets you down. And your attention and your mind, you don't want to have any distractions, no TV, no telephone, no cell phone. God's voice is going to be in the silence. Once you quiet everything down, then you can hear God and God will speak. So you want to make sure you have your pen and your pad. It's not the time. This is not the place or the time when you want to go deep in, in the presence of God to have an ask me list, a wish list. It's just time of just sitting in his presence. God's presence comes in and it ministers to your spirit. You become one with him. We did a, a teaching on one of the boot camps. We talked about that whole boot camp was on the intimacy with God. And we just had some experiences with God and, and how it was and felt and what it meant to be intimate with the Lord. And this is a spiritual intimacy. So what we have in the natural comes from the spirit realm, the intimacy with like our mate, our husband and wives. It's, it's, a, um, it's a replication of what their, our experience and our relationship is to be with, with God, Heavenly Father. So God speaks to us by witnessing our spirit or in our hearts. Our ears become alive. You must have, you know, the word talks about having an ear to hear what the spirit is saying. God's voice is not only heard, it is known. This is when you begin to know the voice of God. You know it's not you. It's a lot of times it may sound like you, but it's not you. Do you know his voice? Do you know God's voice? Do you know the voice of the shepherd, the voice of your heavenly father? 
He has a personality, so he can speak to you in different ways. It may not be the same way. God's presence comes when we seek him in the depths of our spirit. So I just really tune in on the inside. Until I connect. I can be one with him. You know, in, in a matter of seconds. God's presence changes our hearts. It causes you to be one with him. Oneness and unity. And then 1 Corinthians 1, 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's presence comes when we seek him in the depths of our spirits. We must die. With, we must die to this flesh in order to get there. No flesh can dwell in his presence. So you can't have any, any of fleshly desires to, to get into thinking you're going to experience God and, and um, get in his presence. Jesus was the presence and glory of God in the flesh. So example, Jesus went away to be with the father. Disciples asked him, you know, him, you know, teach us to pray. You know, they saw how powerful he was. They saw the connection he had with God and his heavenly father. They wanted that same thing. So we are God's temple. We are priests. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God needs a habitation where he can dwell. And that is in our spirits. Jesus is the habitation and we are his body. God's glory is our covering. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Don't you know that your body members is a sanctuary or a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were brought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. These are commandments. Romans 12, 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised, the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endured forever. That then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. So the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. That was second Chronicles five, verse 13 and 14. God dwelt in the holiest of holies, located in the temple of the Israelites. God no longer dwells in temples made of stone and wood. So where does God dwell now? Where is his temple on earth? Know ye not that you are the temple of God? 1 Corinthians 3.16 And that the spirit of God dwells in you in whom you also are built together for habitation of God through the Spirit. That's Ephesians 2.22. 
but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. Hebrews 3.6 You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.5 God showed me, he showed me the bridegroom, and he showed me the bride. So we're talking the Jesus, the spiritual, and then the and the bridegroom. I mean the bride, the bride's gown. The bride's gown is full of jewels. Any jewel and every jewel ever made or ever created, and probably none we've ever ever seen, even on this earth. Full of beautiful jewels, different shapes, sizes, colors, patterns. Uh, the ray of brilliance coming from it was just exquisite. This gown, and it was the it was the body of Christ. Basically, it was the gown, the bride, the bride, the bride of Christ. It was just beautiful. So I just said that because of these living stones. It means something to God. In the New Testament day where we have a better covenant built on better promises, Hebrews 8, 6. God no longer dwells in houses made of wood and stone. He dwells in us. We are the temple of God through the Holy Ghost. Now then, if God filled the temple made of wood and stone under the old covenant, and we have a new covenant based on better promises, how much more should we expect to be filled with his glory, seeing as we are his temple, his dwelling place on earth? his holy habitation. Even Jesus himself told God the Father that he was giving to us the same glory that he had. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. John 17, verse 22. I wanted to show, this is like five minutes here, video kind of give us a break, especially if anybody wants to go to the bathroom. I'm going to uh, play it. It's a quick, uh, a recent video, Billy Bram and Shelly Bram and Joshua Mill.